Hey everybody, it's Todd. If you happen to be new to Zen Parenting Radio, you might not know that our motto for every single podcast is this. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So we're hosting the Let's Get Real conference on March 11th and 12th. Kathy and I are bringing eight dynamic speakers, 12 amazing vendors, and upwards of 300 to 400 parents from around the country together for this amazing two-day event. We created this community to help us all be the best parents we can be. It's taking place at the Westin in Lombard, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago. But we're close to selling out for the first day of this two-day conference, so get registered today by going to zengetsreal.com. We really hope to see you there. And now, on with the show. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. She's Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 284. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's Mm self-understanding. On today's show... I want to make sure we're recording. Uh, we're talking about what it means to do your best. Yes. Right? Yes. And um, a few listeners' questions. And we're also going to play a clip that we shared on our Facebook page that you don't know which one I'm about to I play. I don't. But you will like it a lot. Good. So maybe we should start with that, and then we'll get into the guts of the show. Yeah. So, What clip did we share? Here. We, so this is the... Um, Canadian Prime Minister. Oh, yes. His name is Justin Trudeau. What do you know about this guy, sweetie? I know he's young, and I know that he's very progressive, and I know that he has no problem speaking what he believes, and I know that... I remember when he... The race. I remember the whatever, the primary. (sighs) Canada's very different than the United States and how they hold elections, I believe. Yeah. Um, But I just remember there being a lot of happiness when he won. So 111,000 people liked this post and 122,000 people shared it. So it's about him talking about uh, feminism. All right. All right, here we go. And by the way, we shouldn't be afraid of the word feminist. Men and women should use it to describe themselves anytime they want. Men have to be a big part of this conversation. Uh, one of the things, like, I'm uh, incredibly proud uh, to have a partner in my wife, Sophie, who is uh, extremely committed to women and girls' issues. You know, we're of a like mind on it. I agree with her on, on that. And, and I've been very thoughtful about how we raise our daughter. Uh, but she taught me... Yeah, or she took me aside a few months ago and said, okay, uh, it's great that you're engaged and modeling to your daughter that you want her in power and everything, but you need to take as much effort to talk to your sons, my eight-year-old boy and my two-year-old so a little young still, uh, about how he treats women and how uh, he is going to be growing up to be a feminist just like dad. And by the way, we shouldn't be afraid of the word feminist. Men and women should use it to describe themselves anytime they want but that, that role we have uh, as men in supporting and demanding equality and demanding a shift uh, is really, really important. There he is. Thanks, Justin Trudeau. What did you think of that one, sweetie? I loved it. I, I posted it. I feel like it's a message that we've been saying for a long time and a lot of other people have been saying for decades and decades, so it's well, nothing new. I get really deep about these things because I, I don't understand why anyone would have an argument with that. 
like I, I and I see people's argument. Like I, you know, I see people who post things like this isn't necessary or this guy's a jerk or whatever. But I, I'm I question what are we questioning? That women should have the same rights? Like why wouldn't they? I'm just being really deep about it. Why wouldn't they? I don't know, but I mean I could play devil's advocate if you yeah, want me to. Give me to. what would somebody say? Women should um, not, we should not call ourselves feminists because... Well, I think a lot of people would say, well, if they want to be treated equally, then they shouldn't get any special treatment. So we don't have to go above and beyond. We don't need the word feminism to be treated equally. You know, it's interesting that you're like, using this... I'm thinking like uh, affirmative action stuff that I learned in college way back when. Is like there are certain rules made up. You have to have a certain amount of women in college or you have to have a certain uh, amount of minorities in doing this job or that. So that's what they say. Well, he, there's something sitting in front of me that you gave me a week ago. Yeah. And I can't even remember where you got it, but it, it kind of, I think, helps explain this. I Weird, weird that it's in front of me, but it says equality versus equity. Mm, and it talks about that equality is sameness giving everyone the same thing. But this only works if everyone is starting from the same place. Right. So if you give everybody the same thing and everyone's starting from the same place, we've got equality. Equity is fairness, access to the same opportunities. We must first ensure equity before we can enjoy equality. So we'll post this picture that Kathy and I are looking at on our page, but basically it is three children, it's a cartoon, but three children looking from the um, looking at a baseball game from the outside and there's a fence that's say five feet high. And they're all standing on the same box. The left one that says equality, they're standing on the same size box. So you have three different kids all three different heights, like one kid's two feet, one kid's five feet, one kid's six feet. And the six foot kid sitting on the same height obviously can see well beyond. So he can look into the field. The uh, middle kid can barely see the baseball players. And the let's say the three foot kid can't see anything at all. Even though he's on the same box as the other kid, it's right. all equal, right. but he can't see. And equity is when we have access to the same opportunity. So in the second picture, the six foot kid didn't even need a box to begin with. Right, so he's standing on the ground. The kid in the middle is on the same box because mm -hmm. he's in the perfect height. And the kid on the farthest right side has two boxes stacked up. Then he can see and they're all at the same level. So it's funny, like you talk about how important language is. This is a very uh, interesting uh, differentiation they use between equality and equity because that is really the essence of what we're talking about. Exactly. We don't want equality. We want equity. We want everybody to be able to have the same advantages, If everybody is starting from the same place. Right, which doesn't happen. Then we can all say, um, equity okay, is let's, fine. let's all go from here yeah. and everybody has to work hard and do their own thing. Yeah. But when you aren't starting from the same place to begin with, right. and you know, I actually want to talk about not just women, but what I've been reading about for the past five days, probably alongside everybody else, is this thing going on in Flint, Michigan. And when I say this thing, um, what I mean is the fact that their water supply has been poisoned over this long period of time and that it, that was allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. And that not only was it allowed to happen, but when people 
stood up and said, this isn't okay, look at the water. They were told that they were wrong, and they were told that the the water that they were bringing to these meetings wasn't truly from the Flint Tap Mm. when it was. It was brown, and it was full of lead, and it was full of toxins, and there are sick people, and there are children who have irreversible brain damage now because of lead poisoning. That is unconscionable. I, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that that decision was made. And so to say that those people have any kind of equity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) fairness, that like I can go to my tap and and drink tap water. And Elmhurst, it's interesting, Elmhurst is thought of as, or at least I read- Which is the town we live in. Yeah, a year ago that in this Chicagoland area, we have really great water. And I don't know why we have any better water than anyone else. I don't either. Like that, I question, what is that? But, and also in Detroit, the school system, you know, what's going on in their schools? They have mushrooms growing out of the ground. They have cockroaches. They have um, mice and and they have... Try learning in that environment. And, try, and kids who are have nosebleeds yeah. because they're sick from their environment. Yeah. And teachers who have no supplies and they keep fighting them to cut their pay and to cut their pensions. I could sob. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just do not understand that. Well, the whole water thing, you know, this... Uh, I just saw this on Facebook, which is why I'm sharing it. But, you know, the... Uh, apparently the governor who made this decision, uh-huh. he did it to cut costs. Of course. Obviously. So it's all about economics. The top picture says saves $5 million by switching to Flint River water. And the bottom has a picture of like the dirty water. It says poison city and needs $400 million for the cleanup. So in other words, they think they're being financially responsible when in fact this shortcut actually, you know, if you are going to be just make your decisions based on numbers and not emotion, even that is an argument of why you should do it the right way. And exactly, and I know this is exactly what you're saying, Todd, I'm not, but I have to say, decisions like this should never be made because of the bottom line. But for the ones who make decisions on the bottom line, this is even giving them some more information. information. That's the big switch, is if there's anything we can learn from these experiences with what's going on in Flint and what goes on in lots of cities, Flint is an example of many places that are treated this way. And you want to know why they're treated this way? Because they don't have the power and the voice Mm -hmm. or the money Mm -hmm. to stand up for themselves. There is, you know, we talked about making a murderer on this show before. And I don't, regardless of who you think is innocent and guilty, there is one statement that Stephen Avery says on the third episode where he says, poor people people lose. Mm, yeah. And I don't disagree with him. No. Because it's always been like that. That's you, sad. And you know, our our guy Brian Stevenson yep. always says it is easier to be rich and guilty in this country than it is to be poor and innocent. Yeah. You are more likely and, and to I get don't, off I don't, of whatever you get accused whatever, of. Whatever. It yeah. get accused of or whatever experience you're having. Well and my favorite line is is something that I think Annie, your friend Annie, said to you about white privilege. Like I was born with these lucky things that advantages. I, advantages that I'm a man and I'm white. And the quote that she gave to you that you told to me is white privilege, which I completely um, agree that I have, is um, when you're born on third base thinking you hit a triple. Exactly. It's a reframe. I think that's so powerful. Yes. We have to understand. We were just watching the the Oprah thing with the the civil rights, African-American and they were talking about what was i going to say about that i forget well let me just re-say what you said all okay so we taped masterclass which yeah. is on the own channel and i think you can get it online now if you go to own.com yeah i think she has a channel now i think she does um i hope so because just on saturday night we were all home we watched the 
Did, was that Saturday night? Or was that last night? Uh, it was Saturday night. Well, anyway, we were all together. One of our daughters was sick. We were all just hanging out together. And this Todd just found this masterclass that I didn't even know was there. Mm-hmm. And basically, it was a compilation of um, all of the speakers who were masterclass teachers who were African-American sharing their stories, their own personal stories of where their civil rights were violated and how they experienced the civil rights movement and how it shapes them today. And man, it was powerful. Yeah. And it was so organic that it happened that we were watching that. I don't even know how you found that. And if we would have said, ladies, sit down, you got to watch the civil rights thing, I think they would have turned around and ran away. They wouldn't have been But we just so happened to stumble on it and it was engaging. And like, I wish, I, I... I, I want to do more of that stuff. But the more you plan it, the more that they'll resist. Exactly, because you know? it was so unplanned. And it started, um, the girls obviously know who Martin Luther King is. And so it started with some of his quotes and his speeches. And so right away, they're like, hey, you know, they know all, they know all this stuff about Dr. King. And then it just launched into, you know, Morgan Freeman telling a story or Sidney Poitier telling a story or Vanessa Williams telling a story. And you, it was so engaging and powerful and... Um, made me very upset um, in what we don't understand, what people experience. And that in itself, you guys, can be powerful. Do you have an awareness of your own privilege? If you have an awareness, that's when change can begin. If you keep fighting the fact that something is true, then you're missing the whole point. And going back to the Justin Trudeau thing, which is how we started here, when people argue about that women should be treated the same as men and and women who do the same work should be paid the same, how is, how do we, why do we argue about that? Why, you know, why isn't that just, yes, normal? Okay, of course, human rights. And, And again, you know, we're talking about there's so many layers of human rights, you know, you know, anybody who has been um, anybody who has been discriminated against, if it be because of their gender or their sexuality or because of their color of their skin or where they're from or how much money they have, they have had this experience where they know these things happen. And when people say to them, no, this didn't happen or it's not happening or this isn't a problem, you are not listening. Right. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to solve the problem for them in that moment. You just need to at least say, I hear you. Yeah, because you. until you can do that, we can't have a discussion about it. We can't do anything. It, and we can't make a change. And then, oh, go ahead, honey. No. I we keep talking over you. No, that's all right. But we have to move on because we weren't even planning to talk about this I on know, the show. I know, but I wanted to really bad because I'm very disheartened by this Flint thing. And I feel like the the thing we can do, I was just reading about it and they're saying, you know, everybody's sending bottled water and everything, mm-hmm. which is lovely. But they're saying really what we have to do is look at why this happened. I think I saw on another Facebook page that you had me subscribe to, uh, there's two African-American teenage boys from Chicago who heard about this story Mm -hmm. and they delivered like cases and cases and cases from Chicago to Flint, Michigan. Beautiful. And they're these news reporters and say, you know, what charity do you belong to or who are you associated (sighs) with? And they're like, no, we just saw this on the news. So we decided to rent a truck and drive up, you know, hundreds of cases of water to We're these associated people. with our heart. Yeah. We're associated with humanity. Yeah, right. Like it doesn't have to be a PR stunt. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that we're doing it for some huge organization. Sometimes people just do things out of the goodness of their heart. And so that's where I'll stop. 
<laughs> All right, sweetie. <laughs> um, so our first uh, partner is John J. Kelly, who is one of our sponsors at the Zen Gets Real conference, which happens on March 11th and 12th. And um, Dr. Kelly does many things, but he is big into smile design. So he'll straighten your kid's teeth out while at the same time um, understanding how the uh, help me out, sweetie. With the alignment of the mouth and the you. neck. And did you just say smile design? Smile design. That's it's a not, great. It's on his website. That's right there. a great Boom. language because you really he really is designing the smile. So it's not just aesthetically. It's not just teeth because your smile is everything. It's yes. your jaws. It's it's your facial. Uh, facial. How it grows. Yeah, everything. So he's a smile design expert. <laughs> I love that. So his website is chicagodentistonline.com. Check him out. And here we go with the second part of our show, all which right. is all about what does it mean to do your best? Right. And here's my intro. It's one point round Sweetie, what movie is this from? It's Karate Kid, baby. Is this one of the best montages of all time? One of the best. Let's hear it for a second. Okay. You're the best. Our little friend Danielle. Um, oh, he's sweeping the leg. Such a great movie. That's a good kid movie. Like, watch that with your kids. Yeah, I, I mean, especially if you have, like, pre-adolescent, you know. Yeah, like, I don't six. think there's any swearing or anything. It's really... there. There's some traumatizing things, though, because they kind of beat Daniel up. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. fine, though. Go ahead and watch it. <laughs> but, but you know, Miyagi kind of even. Get him a body bag! <laughs> um, and I also have uh, two different movie lines that I'm going to share today just for kicks. But look, first, how do we come up with this topic? I will do my best to explain. We're going to use the word best a lot. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to explain about okay. what it means to be your best. So uh, I'm going to, this might somehow come out sounding crass or a little overly judgmental, but these standardized, te standardized tests that our kids take in school drive me a little crazy. Mm -hmm. I think they're, maybe somebody smart can convince me out of it, but I just think they're a waste of time and they're stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay. The amount the, yeah. They take a ridiculous amount. Yeah, they amount. take, I take yes. three different types. And I don't know, what can you be doing with that time <laughs> instead of these standardized tests, which measures one very specific way of exemplifying your intelligence? And there's 99 other ways, but they test this way, you know, multiple choice, you know, whatever. So not everybody's good at these tests. I suck at them. You suck at them, right? I, I suck at them. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> Anyways, so my daughter... I'm not going to say what age to protect which one we're talking about. Um, she took her test, and I'm like, I, I don't care what you get. You know, I don't care what the results are on the test as long as you do your best. That's all I said. And it's safe to say that um, she didn't break any records with her test score. She did fine. She did fine. But I'm like, as long as you did your best, that's all I really care about. And she's like, well, yeah, I, 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 I tried. I'm like, okay, but you did your best, right? <laughs> and she's like, well, I just started filling in circles. That's not how she said it. Yes, she did. At the end. She's like, at the end, I just started filling in circles. Right. I'm like, whoa, 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 back up the truck. Um, what do you mean you filled in circles? She's like, well, you know, I don't, and, and I didn't really get into, I felt like I was going down a path that I might regret, like, Correct. because I just finished telling her. <laughs> I don't care about these tests. Right. But what I do care is about whether or not they do their best. And 
when you're just filling in circles, whether it's at the end of the test and you're running out of time, like, I don't know what the details were, but I'm like, you should at least try to answer the questions. Don't just fill in circles. And then you and I kind of got into it. So I'm going to let you have the floor <laughs> okay. and tell me why. So there's you a few things because Todd says these things to the girls all the time about do your best. And I, I appreciate that because it's not that I don't believe it. I believe that we re- need to redefine what do your best means and that we need to not have an expectation that do your best means you're operating at 100% on all cylinders all the time because right. that's not what do your best means to me. Right. My, do your best to me is uh, very similar if not completely the same as uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's uh, definition in the four agreements, which is the, the fourth agreement is do your best and do your best can mean different things on different days at different moments, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who do your best means they operate on all cylinders all the time, and then they basically crash when they come home. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's their morning people, and they get a ton done in the morning, and in the afternoon, doing their best is is taking it down a notch and relaxing a little more. And, and some people, when they're doing their best is they wake up in the morning, they're sick, and they take a shower, and that's the best they can do. My point in giving you all those examples is we have to understand that when we look at someone and we say, do your best, what that means is we're basically putting on our children or anybody else we're looking at and we're saying, you need to do the highest level of work and attain the highest level that you can at all times or else you're not doing your best. And I always, and I just did a presentation on Saturday and we talked about this and I looked at the parents and I said, do you do that? Do you wake up every morning and do your highest level at all times? So here's my own childhood baggage. Okay. On tests, I would always try to answer the questions. Okay. And, you know, if I didn't know the answer, I didn't know the answer, but I would at least read the question, use my brain, and try to answer it as best I could. Okay. And I was given uh, some insight from my daughter saying that she didn't do that. Okay. And the pieces that you didn't get from that conversation was, why did she start filling in circles? Was it because she was running out of time? Did she need a break on certain ones that she was stuck on so she could move on to the the next one? And the path where I caught myself is if I start getting into all those very specific details, and maybe I'm conveying a message to her saying, you know, I just said, I don't care about these tests, but actually I do care a lot. And I really, and this was the other part of the debate that you and I had was, I really don't care what she got. I don't know if I don't care if she got them all wrong as long as she tried to answer each one of them. I know and you what I'm trying to as you can tell Todd and I went through this like 3 or 4 times this weekend and I'm not trying to convince you you're wrong. What I'm trying to see it, it trying trying to help you do is reframe what your definition what of best doing your means. best is. I understand. Because I know you don't really care about the outcome but you kind of do. See and I don't think I do. I well, honestly think I don't care if they when, got them let, all wrong. Let me play this out for you. All right. You mean you filled in some circles, your head goes blah, blah, blah. That means you could have gotten a higher score and done better if you hadn't done that? So in a way, you do care. You don't care in that you don't care that much. I care much about, about the means but not the end. I care about the path to get there, but I don't care about what the results were. Correct. But what if the path to get there has some bumps in it? Because that's what human beings have. Mm. Bumps meaning sometimes, because what I said to you, right when you told me, you told me, you go, you're not going to believe this, but you know, she filled in circles. I I go, I used to do that all the time. And you were devastated, not devastated. That's too strong. You were like, what? And if I was your dad, I'd be like, what? But see, you, you have a way you work. My brain works. Okay. Let me give you an example. Sure. 
You read books so slow. Very slow. Because you read every single word. Love them. And you take Love every, word. every word and you will start over a sentence if yes. you don't finish it. Didn't get it. You know how I read? You skip words. You cheat. There is no... See, there I is I'm, your, I'm making your point. Right. I read and I scan and I get the... And I'm, and I'm not even trying to be in a rush. It's just the way I read. Right. I go through pages and I get the gist and I get the gist and that is how I've always read. And, and I feel like you and I could both read the same book. And we could have a very wonderful discussion. I got it. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean I got every detail. And I may have to go back if I was doing research and get, right. you know. But what I'm saying is that is how I read and take in information. Same with me taking a test. I don't read every word and say, I'm going to fill in this one perfectly. Sometimes I go through the things that I know well mm -hmm. and finish those first. And then the ones that I struggle with, I may guess. I may just say, I, I because her words to you were, I just filled some in. Yeah. That could that mean could have meant I took what you guess. just said. Right. Exactly. Right. So, and, and I kind of, it's not really as much about the conversation I have with my daughter. It's more about my perception and your perception. Yes. So, but, but no, to your point, she could have absolutely meant, you know, I answered all the questions I knew, the ones that I wasn't so sure on, I did not, uh, I tried my best. And the ones I had no idea on, I just filled in circles. Like, that makes sense to me. It was. And I think in a way, here's the thing is I think sometimes when we say to our kids, hey, it's not that big of a deal, because that is one conversation that we have with the girls all the time about, you know, test taking. Of course, you got to show up and you got to be present and, you you know, studying is important. But in the in the end, don't sweat it, honey. This yeah. is not who you are. Right. The end result of this test, because I know each of my children has stronger skill sets in other areas than the other. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't say that well. But what I mean is I don't believe that their value rests on their, their intelligence <laughs> in the school system, meaning that their grades and those tests do not define who they are. Right. It took me a while to get to that. But so we tell them that. And then they're honest with us. When we say, how did the test go? Yeah, you know, I did my best, but there was a few of them that I just had to fill in the circle. And then we have a response in our face. Right. And we go, what? Right. And then we're going back at them and saying something. Right. I mean, if she said, oh, I didn't do it or I cheated or something. Okay. That's a whole different conversation. Right. But she's trying to kind of bond with you about right. something. I know. I know. So one other point I want to make, though, okay. Okay. is I think us parents... Uh, generally speaking, put a lot of pressure on our kids to do well in school, yes. obviously. And um, that night I was eating my yummy burger from Meatheads. Yes. And my one daughter had her friends over and they were asking each other what they got on their tests. Oh, okay. So um, it's just interesting that peer pressure plays a significant role in motivation. Mm -hmm. And the point I want to make is um, these kids already are already under a lot of pressure mm -hmm. from their teachers, from the school, from the internet, from their friends. I have decided as best I could that I'm not going to add to that pressure. Okay. So I invite the other listeners who have kids in school and really kind of ask, I mean, I remember having some conversations with some other dads and they are like right on it. Like they know exactly what test is coming up. They know exactly what they got on their last test. They know when the papers do, they know what the kid, like I know very little and I know you know more because you're there during homework time, but I am very um, purposely naive and that may be um, a challenge that I should overcome, maybe not, but I just, I'm inviting the parents to rethink a little bit because the kids are already feeling the pressure. They don't need that much more from us 
to please us for their academic career. Well, let me take it a step further because when people hear that and they're really invested in their kids' grades and everything, they they kind of are like, what? How could I not be invested in this? This is highly important. This is my job. And you need to back away from the whole thing and figure out what matters in the big picture. What is it that you want for your child? What is it that you really hope that they can have in life? And majority of people will say some version of happiness. Happiness, joy, they feel good about themselves, they can manage their emotions. Again, I just taught twice this weekend, so I have all these things in my head that parents have said to me. If that is true, then you have to broaden your perspective about their life and understand that their grades are one piece and the activities they're involved in are, are it's another piece, but that it doesn't ha- they don't have to be attaining at the highest level all the time to find happiness. In fact, you're actually, if you are pressuring that and that them in that direction, they are actually experiencing a s- significant amount of stress at a very early age that is not only making them feel bad about themselves and feeling uncomfortable in their own skin and feeling feeling overwhelmed, but it also literally changes their brain development. That amount of stress that a child feels at that young age hurts them emotionally, psychologically, and literally neurobiologically. And so if you understand that, then you can back away a little bit Mm -hmm. and you can say, okay, of course homework's important. Of course I want you to show up for school. Of course I want you to respect your teachers and to to be a part of class discussions. But your value, my child that I love, is not based – on what you get on this test. And if you need help, I'm there to support you. Mm. If a teacher says, you know what, they might need a little support from home, okay, I'll give. But we don't, uh, I have to tell a story um, that uh, John Duffy was, who was speaking at our conference, at our Zen Gets Real, or Zen Parenting Radio Conference, uh, March 11th and 12th. Uh, He and I both spoke at this parent university thing this weekend, and I got to sit in for his. And one of the stories he told was that he works with a lot of kids who are adolescent and teenagers. And he told a story about a kid who got a 35 on his... um, 35 out of 36. Exactly. That's on ACT, right? Correct. And he came home, and that is amazing, first of all. There are so many kids now getting 36 on tests because they're learning how to take this test, you know? And he came home with a 35 and his parents said to him, you know, that's great. But for me, do you think you could take it again? Because if you get the 36, you get your name in the paper, you get this, you get this, you get acknowledgement. And the kid took it again. Of course he did. And guess what he ended up with? Uh, 34. 35 again. Oh, well. And the mom said, guess what? It's my birthday coming up. Oh, my God. Will you? You're kidding. No. Oh this my is gosh. The story John told, will you take it one more time? Oh. Wow. So oh I can God. get this, you know, so I can have the recognition that my child got this 36 and guess what he got the third time? 35. 35. And he what walks away. What a failure. Away. That kid's a failure. Well, Todd, he walks away thinking he is. That's right. He got a 35. On an impossible test that I probably got a 20 on when I was in high school. Exactly. And he walks away thinking, I didn't do it. Or he he, didn't do enough or he didn't please his parents and his parents are disappointed. And that is a sick story. And the reason that that mom wanted that was for her own Yes, it's about her. It's got nothing to do with her son. And the the points that John was making, which we say on the show all the time, is that was based in fear, that was based in ego, and that was based in recognition. And, And 
we have those are the things where we have to get off autopilot and realize what we really want for our kids. What does success really mean? Do we want a child who feels good about who they are? And and every parent will say, I do. But are you doing things at home that helps them feel good about who they are? Or are you doing things at home to make them look better from the outside? Sweetie, Daniel LaRusso would have taken it again. I honestly can't tell if I like that song or if I can't stand it. He would have crane kicked that test. He would have crane kicked. There's a really funny, whatever, clip somewhere about the karate kid and the guy's hilarious because he's like, you know, that that crane kick at the end of the movie (laughs) is indefensible, except unless you don't walk right into it like Johnny did. <laughs> Johnny just like Johnny walked right, right, into, right into the kick. Because Danny did, or Daniel they, didn't move. No, he didn't he move. He just did the, the double leg yeah, crane kick. And I'm sure that the people who watched that during that time who were actually karate people, they'd be like, that's the dumbest move I've ever seen. I know, but it looked good for the end because Daniel was hurt. He could only do so much at that point. He got the Miyagi. He got the... Yeah, he got the... That's right. Um, all right. So what do we have next? Um, do your best. Oh, what about my um, my best in show? This is a best clip. Oh, yes. There we go. This is from the best in show, everybody. Big blue ribbon. It's right here in front of you. You want it? You come and you grab it. You get it. She's not listening to you. She's nervous. She's freaking well, out. Well, get the busy bee. You want your busy bee? You get your busy bee. You get bee. the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. It's in the crate. It's in the crate. It sounds bad. Why do you have it out to begin with? Sounds fine. Here's the other one. She is really giving him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, she looks at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, Teeth, eyes, ears, gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? (laughs) She's just checking out the dog's... Testicular area oh. to make sure <laughs> to make sure that uh, that everything is intact. Hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin, have her judge me. That'd be no fun. That is a show called. That is a movie called Best in Show, and it's a that's Busy a must. Bee. That's a must. It's, it is. It's one of our favorites. I can go back to that whenever. <clears throat> All right. Um, so I want to preview our Friday show. We have a wonderful follow-up podcast. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we interviewed Rick and Trish Williams. Uh, we interviewed Rick way back when. When was it? It was actually like two years ago. Setting Boundaries okay. with Love, October 21st, 2014. At the time, Rick was... Um, in a crisis. His wife was really sick and he was looking to raise money because they had some significant medical expenses. And Rick is a friend of mine. And his wife was catatonic at the time and there was very little hope and things turned around. Well, doctors told him that there was no hope and she was in a catatonic state and she was basically being kept in nursing care Mm -hmm. and unresponsive. And he organized an a group of doctors and the care she needed and raised the money. Raised the money. And here's a little clip from the podcast that's going to go up this Friday. We originally did that first one. Uh, we'll include, if if you haven't heard the first one, it might be more significant for you to listen to that one before. And that one is at zenparentingradio.com slash 198. But here's a little clip from the interview that we did with Rick and Trish. So, Trish, we know we were talking about physically how you're doing. Right. How are you different as a person, not just your physicality? Um, You know what? I look at this as a gift um, because it made me see what's important in life, like you said, Todd. Um, It made me see that I truly am blessed and that I have so many beautiful people in my life 
that have always been there. Always. They've always been there. Um, I know you're back because you're crying again all the time. <laughs> That's what I love. I love it. <laughs> My husband is the most beautiful man. Yeah. And we'll be married 30 years. Aww. 30 years, sweetie. That was such a great interview. I'm like getting all teary again. Uh, they're beautiful people. Oh. And uh, we're so honored that they were able to join us. So. Well, you know what I what I said, and you'll hear this when I because I said it on the that show. But the thing, the story they tell and the experience they had, um, it was traumatic and it was a tragedy and it was overwhelming. But what came out of it and what they did and where they pulled from was what I believe right. about the world. People are good, people are resilient, people have a desire to help other people, and whenever we look around and say, you know, people suck, um, people make sucky decisions sometimes, right. but we all have the capacity um, for greatness. Right, absolutely. Um, so I wanna do one listener question, and first of all, I wanna say thank you to everybody who writes in Yeah, with we get questions. so many nice emails. Um, but it's it's become, it's getting to the point where it's hard to sift through. Yeah. And a lot of these people give a lot of details, which I know are important in regards to the story, but it's really time consuming for me to give it its credit. So if, if and when you decide to write a question in, uh, do your best to uh, be a little more concise because there's some that are like two pages, oh. and I, it's hard for me to to do a good job with that. So, uh, but I don't want to not persuade people to write in. It's just well, it, it gets hard. Basically, what they're sharing is all the details because the details matter. I know, you know, and every and on the show sometimes we say things like someone will ask a question and we'll be like, well, we don't have this info or this info, and so I'm willing to bet people are saying, well, I'm going right, to give you all you the go. info. Right. So yeah, just try to walk that that balance. Okay. I should probably give myself a little more time to go through this and cut and paste because I don't know if anybody wants to hear me read two pages. No, you know? no, you have to sift through it, but you, Todd does not read these to me ahead of time. He just likes me to kind of go off the cuff. So I could read them ahead of time, Todd, if you want me to. Uh, so I kind of like catching you off guard. All right. So here's the one. My husband just left for deployment for six months. All the other times he's uh, he has, it's been for shorter periods with more contact. This time, no contact for at least the first three months. I have a four-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter, a one-year little man, and one baking in the oven. Wow, this lady's wow. busy. My concern is really the oldest. Once he saw my husband pull out, of, pull out his sea bag, we started getting the statement from him, I just want you to be happy. My son got sick and threw up and immediately said to my husband, don't be mad. I just want you to be happy. What a heartbreak. We've explained to him many times that dad has to go to work because his captain needs him. Don't want to put the reason of money behind it. I often tell him we don't have the money to buy things because we don't. We tried to prepare him for ahead of time for, ahead of time for this long time away and that we love him very much. I just don't know what to say to him to comfort him. He still says to me that he wants me to be happy. Does that mean we've made him feel so insecure in himself and lack of confidence that he's an amazing little guy? Breaking my heart, anything would be of help. Well... Um, I guess I don't even understand. The, what the, she's the saying, boy is saying, I just want you to be... He's talking correct. to his mom. He's Basically, what ha what's happening, if I'm hearing this correctly, is he's having a huge emotional response yeah. internally yeah. to his dad even getting out the bag yeah. to, to leave. And when he has these feelings and they're so overwhelming, there's something inside of him that is saying, do not 
show these feelings. Yeah. So much so that he's vomiting. Yeah. And then he is saying to kind of mask what he's feeling inside to his mom and dad, he's saying, I just want you to be happy, which of course he does. Right. Meaning that I'm not saying he's lying about those feelings. I'm saying he's using that on to put to kind of put a top on top of everything else he's feeling. Right. Like he's trying to make that the thing that comes out. Right. Mom, I um, obviously you are very in tune with him and you know that there's so much more underneath that. And my thought would be, you don't have to focus on necessarily making him feel better. You just need to give him the space to share what he's really feeling. Part of it will be sadness. Part of it will be anger. Part of it will be loneliness and frustration. And it's not going to feel good. But it doesn't mean you have anything to be sorry for or that you owe him something, meaning that what he's saying is this situation, even though I understand dad needs to do this, and this is what dad needs to do. He's in the military. This is what happens yeah. when you're in the military. So that in itself doesn't need to change. What needs to change is that your son needs to know that everything he's feeling is okay. And that even, oh, and mom, I just, I hope you have a strong sisterhood around you because you've got these three, you know, two other kids and a baby that you're growing and you have to be able to sit in that space with him and feel that sadness. And I don't mean you have to take on his sadness, but you got to let him express it in your presence. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy. And you have to let him express it without thinking then you need to fix it. Right. You will not have the perfect words. The only thing he needs to do is cry about everything he's feeling and let it out and know that you're okay with it. And then he will be okay. Mm -hmm. There's this great scene in Inside Out, and you may want to, if you haven't watched this with your son, this may be a good thing to do, where Sadness sits down with Bing Bong. Is that his name, Bing Bong? I think that's right. The imaginary friend. And the imaginary friend is very sad for these other reasons. And Joy is like, no, come on, let's go. Let's get on the train. Let's right. go. Let's go. And Bing Bong is just and sad. And Sadness sits over with him and says, I'm so sorry that this happened. And that's sad, isn't it? And acknowledges it. He cries. And then he says, okay, I'm better now. I can move on. And I know it's a movie. I'm not saying that your son's going to do exactly what Bing Bong did. What I'm saying is what we need to understand is that the acknowledgement of our feelings and normalizing them is what helps us move on. Not saying the perfect thing to make him think differently. Is it the part, it's, I'm on YouTube, Inside uh -huh. Out, Sadness Comforts Bing Bong? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Hey, it's going to be okay. We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. <gasps> hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. <laughs> Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh. They were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness! That sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> oh. 
I'm okay now. Come on, the train station is this way. All right. Yeah. Sweetie's crying a lot today. <laughs> I can't help it. That part is so real and true. That's one of the truest scenes I've ever seen in a so movie. So what you're telling this lady is to be like sadness. Yeah. Don't be like joy. Don't don't be. I mean, jo- there is a place for both. Right, but not in that not moment. Don't in that talk moment. your son into feeling joy when it's simply not there. Exactly. All right. Fair enough. Sweetie, our second partner is Tree of Life, our chiropractor, Dr. Kelly, and it's chirotree.com. And uh, if you need to get adjusted, uh, make sure you say Zen Parenting sent you because we love our Dr. Kelly. So, and uh, website is kairoshu.com, 630-941-8733. So the last thing is a few reviews. We got two nice reviews from our, some wonderful people. This is from Katrina. Hi guys, I've been listening to your podcast for about a month now and I absolutely love it. I'm a tech dinosaur, so I can't figure out how to write reviews now that I've already descri- subscribed to your show. But I want to let you know how incredibly grateful I I am that you're doing this work in such a humorous and thought-provoking way. I'm the mother of two girls, ages seven and three, and your show is a great way for me to affirm what I'm doing and teaching me so much more. So thank you. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you. And then the other one is from Jenny Carlene. I love listening to Zen Parenting Radio. I get so much great and useful information about self-awareness and parenting. So thanks uh, Thank to you. the two of you for doing some reviews for us. It helps us with our iTunes rankings. So if you want to help us out a little bit, you can give us an iTunes ranking too. Um, I don't really know if I have anything else. I feel like I may have forgotten a few things, but whatevs. <laughs> whatevs. It's uh, the best we could do, sweetie. That's right. I got to get, get on a plane in like two hours. Our best is different every day. You're the best around. Nothing's going to get you down. Such an 80s song. Yes, it is. Who sings that song? Who cares? <laughs> I will put it in the show notes, though, so you can watch that video. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Words of wisdom? Um, Notice what matters when it comes to things like where your water's coming from, when it comes to kids taking tests, when it comes to how we talk to our children. What matters most? If you focus on what matters most, then you will stay out of ego, stay out of fear, and you'll be present for what's really happening. A special thanks to our last partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Companies, a bald-headed beauty, and he specializes in basements. Now's the time to get your basement refinished. Call Jeremy, 630-956-1800. Keep trucking, everybody. Uh, See you Friday for Rick and Trisha's podcast. It's going to be great. Have a good week. Adios. That's our show, friends. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes, and while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can email us at comments at zenparentingradio.com, or you can record a voicemail by clicking on the Send Us a Voice Message link on our homepage with comments or questions. Don't forget, our Zen Parenting Conference is on March 11th and 12th, 2016. For more details, go to zengetsreal.com. If you're interested in any of Kathy's three award-winning books, you can purchase through our website or through Amazon. 
We also do local presentations, virtual retreats, and movie screenings, which can be found by clicking on the events tab on our webpage. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you're interested in the tribe, the monthly men's group that I co-facilitate, you can go to thetribemensgroup.com for more details. Lastly, and most importantly, a special thanks to our three partners, Avid Company, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, and John J. Kelly Dentistry. If you own a business and are interested in partnering with us, please send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Finally, we're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.